Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Now I want to paint a picture of how radically different Jesus is and the life that he calls us to live. And this is the path my wife and I are on. This is the path a lot of you are on. And if you're not on it or if you've stepped out of it, we encourage you to get back in it and follow him with everything you have. I think Jesus Christ deserves everything. I'm not afraid to say that. He is not a, he is not a side. He is the main course. He is the big thing. Like he is the purpose. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Um, it'll be on the screen right there. You should have got a guide. You can follow along. But Matthew verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 28, and it says, Even as the Son of Man, it's right up here on the screen, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, I want to put this in perspective. Jesus is saying that he is the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a title. You might read that, and you're like, well, what does that mean? That was a prophetic title. The Son of Man was the one that God was going to send to rule. He was the ruler God was going to send in the book of Daniel. And so Jesus is calling himself, I am him whom God was sending, and I will rule. I have come to take charge and to make things right. But in that taking charge and making things right, he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, I want you to see how radically different this was since the beginning. When Jesus was born, he was born in the reign of Caesar Tiberius. You probably don't know who he is, but he's in the Bible. You can go read in Luke chapter 4, I think it is. It's in the beginning where it says, in the year of 15th year of Caesar Tiberius' reign. Now, Caesar Tiberius was in charge. He was ruling over most of the world. Rome pretty much ran things at that time. And I want you to get a picture of what the Caesar was doing, and I want to get you a picture of what Jesus was doing, and I want you to see the line and the difference that Christ is. Caesar Tiberius, he was kind of a gangster. And what I mean by that is he left Rome, and he was living in Papyri. He had his own little private island. His own island were all kinds of decadence, I can't say that word, lust and perversion and, and, and living for himself because he had so much hate in Rome. Nobody liked him. So he went off to this private island for more than a decade and ran the nation from his little paradise where he was getting served in lots of ways where people would come to him and he was king. He knew he could control who came to the island, who lived on the island, who died on the island, and who was with him on the island. And you know what I mean by with him. He was in charge. And at that time, Christ is in one part of the empire, one part of Caesar Tiberius' empire, and said, I'm the son of man, I've came to rule, but this is how I will rule. I've come to serve you, not to be served where the Caesar went and and took himself out of the nation of Rome and put himself on that private island to protect himself and to be served, Jesus steps right into one of the poorest provinces in the nation, stands among the people, and says, I have come to serve. And he healed. 
and he delivered, and he taught, and he came not as one who, was, who, who, who lorded it over people, who bossed people around, but it served, and he demonstrated all the way up to the cross, where he came to serve in such a way that he said, you know what, that debt of sin that you owe, I'm going to pay it for you. The other Caesar on his island, it was, what do you have for me today? Pay your debt, pay more than your debt, give me your tax, and I will run this nation from my own private paradise. Jesus came and he emptied himself on dirt roads, living a life among the people, and he emptied himself, and he winds up even paying the debt for humanity. Don't you got to realize, you got to love someone to pay someone's debt. Am I right? If not, let's talk. <laughs> you know, we could have a good conversation. Let's, like, we could talk about some things. But think about paying someone else's debt. And think about someone's stupid debt. I'm not talking about their medical debt. It's real easy to say, oh, if someone had a medical debt, oh, I would pay that debt because that's something I feel bad for them. My heart goes out. But what if somebody goes and does something stupid and buys a car they can't afford and maxes out a credit card on crap that they don't need and they are bankrupt and broke and you were to come by and pay that debt? That's exactly what Jesus did because that's exactly what sin is. We're maxing out our lives and we're spending ourselves on things that don't last and things we don't need. But Jesus came to pay that debt and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so the first point on your outline is Jesus loves us and he proved it on the cross. He loves us and he proved it on the cross. Like he went that far. And that's what we're about at Lakeside Churches. We want to make that known to everybody in this community that Jesus really does love them. We want to show it by what we do on Sunday. We want to show it by how there's groups of people that will show up and serve others and help others and and people that come together in small groups to meet each other's needs, but to show that love. And we think that ties into our first point over here is to fall in love with Jesus. And the way you fall in love with Jesus is you realize this right here. When you realize how much he loves you and how much he gave for you when you didn't deserve it, when I didn't deserve it, when I deserved something bad, he gave me something good. He loves us and he proved it on the cross. And when we know that and we understand that, we'll fall in love with him. Yes, Lord, whatever it takes. Yes, Lord, wherever you want me to go. The next scripture I want to go to is is Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Verse 19, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God. I want to paint a picture of Jesus doing that. He's he's making strangers into family. He's bringing people that that have no um, earthly reason to be together, and he's knitting them get together into a strong family. It started with his disciples. If you don't know about his disciples, let me just tell you one point. He had a zealot, and he had a tax collector. You would get no more different than the most left person and the most right person in the world. Zealot, all about, let's take down Rome. Let's grab some swords Let's bring down Rome. We can do this. Let's get our country back. Tax collector, let's just make peace with Rome. I got a good job. 
Yeah, they're here. But come on, is it really that bad? Just follow along. Two of these people in his top 12 came together in unity among Christ. He's pulled people from so many different areas, even beginning with his 12 disciples, and it hasn't stopped today. He's going into all kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of ideas, and he's saying what you're really looking for is found in me. Come, don't be strangers, don't be foreigners. Caesar Tiberius over here in his island, what was he doing? He was killing families. Caligula, the next emperor, I'm giving you a little history lesson, but the next emperor basically killed his whole family, just killing families, putting them to death. Jesus building families from the beginning, a radically different kingdom was being established by Jesus Christ. Tiberius, he was on that island. He had a little cliff. Seems like from what I've read, you were messing with him. He loved to just push you off the cliff. Woo! Jesus didn't do that. He, some people laugh, but I'm not making fun of it, but I'm just saying, like, can you imagine like that? You had one man controlling the world, and this is how he controlled it. And Jesus over here with 12 radical, ragtag group of different people. And he says, no, you're part of my household. Come and eat with me. Come and live with me. Come and fellowship with me. That's where we got communion from was from those guys hanging around and living with Jesus. And he's still calling that out today. Jesus wants to turn strangers into family. That's what Jesus did in the beginning, and that's what he does now. There's people here that were strangers to me three years ago. Adam, man, I did not know him from Adam three years ago, all right? But I've met him, and he has been a brother to me. We don't hang out every day. He's busy. He's a doctor. He works. I work. I have kids. He has a baby. He's not sleeping either now. But I know if I call him up, it's like we never stop talking. Our hearts are knit together. We're friends. We're brothers. I know for a fact that if I gave him a call and said, hey, I need your help, that he would be there. Because God turns strangers into family. And that goes into our, our second thing that we want to do is we want people in this area to find a church family. Lakeside would be great if it's not. That's okay. But you got to find that. You need people that you can count on, that you can be open with, not that you're living all up in their business, but you know if you got to talk, they'll listen. You know that if you need something, that they're there. And I've seen that in this church family. God is building that here, and we want to see that continue to grow. The next scripture I want you to go to is in the book of Luke, chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. This is one of the first things Jesus walks into the temple when he begins his ministry, I'm sorry, the synagogue, not the temple. He walks into the synagogue when he begins his ministry. And he starts off with these scriptures right here. These are from the book of Isaiah. But Jesus takes the scroll, which has Isaiah on it, and he reads it and he says, this is about me. So these scriptures that Isaiah wrote are about Jesus and Jesus claimed them. It said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed or he has marked me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Christ came to do. He wants to set people free. He wants to open blind eyes. He wants to, 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 to allow the captives to be free. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus, Jesus began to set people free. Some of them he set free from afflictions. There were blind people. Good news was, not blind anymore. There were lost people. Good news is, you're not lost anymore. You're home. There were people caught in sin. Good news is, sin doesn't have to hold you anymore. You're free. I, I'm here. You're free. God sent me to fix this. You don't have to battle with it on your own anymore. That's what he did as he walked those dusty roads. And at the same time, to make the parallel, what do you think Caesar did? In his little island of paradise, controlling the nation. He enslaved people. He made people prisoners, even in his own island. He made people prisoners all over the empire. He didn't set anybody free. But Jesus came so you might be free. See, freedom is so important. There's so many of us that are not free. We, we battle and we struggle and we never quite get there. And I want to tell you the truth. The only way to get free is in Jesus Christ. He's the only way to get free. He changed my life. And I want to tell you this. He changed my life. You're looking at somebody that was on the road to destruction. Before I came to Christ, my idea was a good time, was doing about as much drugs as I could until I almost overdosed. I would do them and do them and do them. I was caught in bitterness and lust. And my world was falling apart. Now, I had a bunch of friends at that time that were caught in that same thing. I knew a lot of them that went to rehab. Nothing against rehab that's good. Rehab is all right. There's, there's good things you learn and skills. I never went to rehab. Christ changed me in an instant. Does not work for everybody that way. But I know he did it for me because I came to him and I said, I'm empty and I'm broken and I'm lost and I need you. I cannot do this without you. God, where are you? And if you can get real with God and say, hey, your scripture says this, but where are you? Not in a disrespectful way, but in a very honest, open way, God is very, very apt to say, here I am. And your life can change and you can be free in an instant. It wasn't like I, you know, kind of just slowed down with drugs. It stopped. I was changed. He set me free. That's what Jesus has always been doing. The next point I want you to make is Jesus came to set us free. You might be battling with all kinds of different things, and I'm not pointing fingers to judge you, but I know when you're battling with something, it doesn't feel good. When you're stuck with an addiction, don't you kind of feel bad? When you're stuck in bitterness, like when you really hate somebody and just want to punch them in the face, 
Like you hear their name, you see their face, and you're like, you are so punchable. And the mention of their name, you're like, I just hear that name and I want to key their car. I mean, that's one, I mean, some of you are like that right now. You have people that you work with or people in your family that, that you hear their name and your stomach gets like this and you just, if I could just key their car in the middle of the night, just dig something deep into the paint, right? And, you know, but you don't really feel good with that. You're not free. You're being controlled by somebody else. Some of you might have an addiction to drugs or alcohol or lust or something where, where you've been caught. And I'm not saying this to judge you, but I'm saying because there's hope in Christ. But you might have a habit that you've done a thousand times, and every time you do it, you stop and you're like, never again. Never again. And then you're right back into it. And you feel like garbage. Am I the only one that's lived that life? There's freedom in Christ. And we want you to find him here. Some of the things that we do to make these first three come is we try to serve people in our community. We're working on that. We try to preach the gospel and tell people that Jesus loves them and make sure that we're clear in that message. We try to set up for church family. We have small groups going. Hey, small groups have changed my life. They've helped me to connect with people, to encourage people, to grow in my giftings. I mean, like, I... It's good to be around other believers. It's just good. And for, as far as living in freedom, uh, one of the things we're doing is we're actually offering a freedom group that I'm going to be leading. I'm going to be going through. Um, it'll be on Tuesdays here at the church. Anybody who is interested in that can come. You know, and it's not like if you're showing up, you're saying, oh, I'm a drug addict. You might be and you can come. But you might have a, something else you need to get free from. Maybe just free from yourself. Maybe just free from your own attitude. But we'd love you to come out and to find freedom in Christ. The next point I want to go to is in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. This is about Jesus again. All of these are about Jesus, and I want you to see how they tie into what we are trying to do here in church and why we moved to this city and started Lakeside Church it says, he will be called greater. He will be great. This is about Jesus. And he will be called son of the most high, another title of authority and rulership. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. For those of you that don't know, David was the king of Israel, the best, most like you thought, like the George Washington of Israel. You thought of a good king, you thought of David. And they were saying, Jesus is going to have that throne or someone was going to have that throne and it would actually wind up being Christ. Verse 33, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What Jesus has started will never end. For those of you that are following Christ, you have taken your first steps into eternity. Because it is not stopping, it is only going to get better. And I want you to get the picture of Jesus dying on a cross, his blood being poured out, him losing his life while over across the empire on an island, on a couch or a bed in opulence, somebody is saying, this kingdom's never going to end. We got this on lock. And another man is sitting over here dying and bleeding out, giving up his last breath, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. 
And it's his kingdom that's still going. It's his kingdom that has gone all over the earth, into every tribe and every nation, every color, everywhere. His kingdom is growing. A kingdom with freedom, a kingdom with love, a kingdom with family, a kingdom without fear. One tried to rule by fear and did a great job until it fell apart. One came to free from fear, and it is not stopping. Serving Christ is the best thing you can ever do. Being committed to his kingdom is like starting eternity now. Because one day we're all going to be there. Heaven and earth will, like, will be in heaven. We'll be with God. We'll be with him. This earthly life is gone. That new car you bought, done. That really nice shirt you like, won't matter. Your pictures of your family on the wall, gone. Like all of this world will wash away one day. It won't matter. But what we do with Christ in his kingdom, he's promised that it would last. And that's a pretty good promise. I really think that God in Christ has made a difference. The world is a better place because of Christians. I'm going to put that out there. I might bother some of you, but it's true, and I'll tell you why I think it's true. Christians were ones that they started some of the first schools. The monks, Middle Ages, they started some of the first schools because they wanted people to read this word. Public education, you can thank believers in Christ for that, and I think that's a good thing. Some of the first hospitals, why are they all named, most of them? after churches or saints or something like that. Because believers said, hey, it's our duty to serve those in need. And we need a building to do this. And one of y'all need to learn what we're doing. We got rags and stuff, but figure out how to really help this person. You go to school. Most of them all, I think the top, the first 10, 9 out of 10 in our country started by Christians. The first universities in the world started by Christians. He's made a difference. His kingdom matters. This is real. Which kingdom are you going to follow? That's on you. But I want to make a difference, and that's our fourth point, is we want things that we do to last. We want them to be eternal. And I'll put the last point on the screen, is that Jesus made an everlasting kingdom. He did. It'll last forever, and we can start eternity now. We love you guys. We want this church to be all about those things, letting people know that Jesus loves them more than they even realize so that they'll fall in love with Jesus. We want the world to know that Jesus came to make strangers family. Like, he's not looking for everybody to think the same and act the same, but he's pulling them all together in Christ because it is my belief that Everything that anybody wants is ultimately found in Jesus. And that if we could all be unified around him, some of our differences wouldn't seem as big. Because what we all are longing after is the kingdom he came to set up. We want you to live in freedom. I don't, I, like if, if, you're, if you've been saved for 20 years, I don't want you to have lived your first year 20 times. We got a lot of people, I've been a Christian 40 years, 7 years, 10 years, but really only one year of growth because you're on this cycle. 
where you start to get stuff together and it falls apart, and you start to get stuff together and it falls apart. And I'm not saying you'll ever be perfect, but I'm saying there's freedom in Christ and together as a group, if we seek him, we believe people can find that. And then we want your life to matter. I want my life to matter. Like when we get to heaven, I want something to remain. And I want that for you guys. I want you to have put your time and your energy into something that matters. Something that's bigger than you. Um, Tamara over here, I'm so glad. She said she worked. She, she was with us before we started. I'm embarrassing her, but I don't care. I get to do that. But she was, before we started, she came and she helped us launch this church. She was at our house. She was there. She was working with the kids. And she told me, she said, I worked a double yesterday just so I could make sure that I was there to celebrate what God has done. People have gotten saved in these meetings that we've had. Marriages have been touched in these meetings. People have gotten free of some stuff in what we've been doing. People have found friends and family in this church, and it would not happen without a group of people that are committed to those four things. So I encourage you, get behind what God is doing here, and if it's not for you here, find somewhere that you can get behind. Find somewhere that you can make a difference. All right, we're going to close right now. Would you just bow your heads for a second? We're going to move in a few minutes. We're going to have a fellowship. We have cake. We have hot chocolate. We have coffee. We have just a little bit of time for you to fellowship and greet with people. But this is God's time right now. This is your and God's time. The reason I said close your eyes is so you don't have to think about what anybody else is looking at. But whose kingdom, whose kingdom are you a part of? Are you part of a kingdom that is about love and about family and about freedom and about making a difference? Does your life line up with that? Or do you feel like you fit better in Tiberius' kingdom, which is about fear and control and opulence and lust and taking from others? There were two kingdoms on earth when Jesus came, and there are still two kingdoms today. But only one of those kingdoms will last forever. Choose today what kingdom you will serve, who you will make your Lord and your Savior, who you will get behind, who you will follow. I'm just going to ask, if you think that you've not been living for the right kingdom, I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to know who I'm praying for. Would you put your hand up and say, you know what? I need to get my feet out of the kingdom of fear and control and opulence. I need to put my feet back in the kingdom of love and freedom and family. If that's you, would you just put your hand up wherever you're at? Amen. Amen. The beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is that he died on the cross for every sin. So if you're coming in here today, I do not want you to leave feeling guilty. I want you to leave feeling loved. Yes, you might have been there. I saw those hands go up, but you don't have to stay there. And you are forgiven in Christ's name if you believe in him. You are free in him. And you have a family here and in other places. Father, I thank you for the people that raised their hands. I pray you would help them to put their feet firmly 
into the kingdom of light, into a place that makes a difference and reaches the world and shows the love of God and is all about freedom. God, all of us that have battled with something, God, we, we can't do it without you. Help us to find you so that we might be free and full of the love of God. Help us to understand your word and to be the people that you've called us to be. And Lord, we thank you for three years that you've given us. We pray for many more, many more. Lord, we thank you that we've been able to send people to different countries even in our young age. God, but we want to take this message to the world. So bring the right people around. Help us to love and support those with the desire to make a difference. And God, let us see you do even more great and wonderful and powerful things in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I love you guys. I'm so glad you're here today. We are going to take probably about maybe five minutes or less. I'm sure the people that have the cakes and what have you will get it out quickly. But you are free to come, hang out, grab a piece of cake. They are all free calories, okay? Not one of these calories will cost you anything. They are all free. You can eat them. They will be uh, good for your sugar intake. It'll, it'll be nice. But, or, or grab a cup of coffee. Just hang out for a few minutes. Get to know somebody or talk to somebody. Um, we didn't tell you, but in the back, there's something for the food pantry. So if you are interested in giving to the food pantry, we collect every week. And there is a box in the back. If you are interested in financial giving, you can drop it off. It's right by that back pole. But be blessed. I love you guys. And let's give the Lord a hand for what he's done for three years. Amen? Amen. Be blessed. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>